Hello, everyone, and welcome back. This is Dr. Jessica Grant here with the Wet Nose Report. Today's edition, bugs are thugs. There's no denying it. In New Jersey, we have it all. Fleas, ticks, mosquitoes, and a bazillion different types of flies and other critters and creepy crawlies. We also have lots of wildlife that can carry these parasites into our backyards. Even if your pet never leaves the backyard, the bunnies, the squirrels, they all come to visit. And sometimes they bring some unwanted friends. So I have to pause here. The etymology of the word parasite is kind of too fun not to discuss. The Latin word parasitus comes from the Greek words para and citos, para meaning alongside and citos meaning food. Parasitos, person eating at another's table, basically. That's parasites for you, always looking for a free meal, uninvited, of course. So first, let's talk about fleas these tiny little blood-sucking insects. There's literally nothing good about them. Worldwide, there's more than 2,000 species of fleas. The most common flea is the one that we see often infecting dogs, cats, and humans. And these guys are strong jumpers. They can jump 40,000 times without a break. That makes me exhausted just thinking about it. They can start to snack on your pet within five minutes of jumping on them, and they may suck blood from your pet for up to two and a half hours. Fleas also have a very flexible life cycle. They go from egg to larva to pupa to adult. The egg stage can potentially last a year. The pupa stage can last six months. Adult fleas have a two to three month lifespan. At least that's a little better. But these adults can lay 50 eggs per day. Okay, so let's just do a little math here. My kind of math. Easy. If you have a female laying 50 eggs per day, and half of those eggs are female, in two months, that's like 20,000 fleas. It's just gross. Fleas can also live a really long time without a meal, um, meaning they can hang out in your house or on your pet and not have a snack for 90 to 100 days. I sure can't go that long. Therefore, if you go to Florida in the wintertime, you can come back to Jersey and still have fleas waiting for you, even if you're gone for a couple of months. It's not exactly the welcome home you would hope for, right? Now, not only are fleas gross by themselves, but they also carry plenty of diseases. The most famous, of course, is the bubonic plague, good old Yersinia pestis, the Black Death. They also carry Bartonella, which is cat scratch fever. For some reason, I cannot say that today. Sorry. They carry tapeworms, tularemia, hemoplasmosis. Even without these other problems, they can actually suck so much blood from your pet that they can make your pet anemic. I've seen it. It's awful. Furthermore, they can cause flea allergic dermatitis. More on that in our allergy episode. Since fleas are such fast movers and fast jumpers, sometimes you might not see the flea. But what you can do is look for flea dirt, which is a little bit more obvious. 
Flea dirt is flea poop. So it looks like little black dots or little squiggles on your pet's skin. And if you take that little black dot and put it in a little bit of water, it'll look like brown to reddish brown because that flea poop contains your pet's blood. Now, if you're still with me and you haven't left the room screaming, ready to go disinfect your whole home, let's talk about ticks. There's more than 800 species of ticks worldwide. Ticks can go 200 days without food or water. Again, I sure as heck ain't making it that long. They have anywhere from a two-month to a two-year lifespan. And they go through egg, larval, nymph, and adult stages. Thankfully, they can't jump or fly, so at least we have that going for us. They often use different hosts at different life stages. Ticks, unfortunately, can also pass along many, many diseases. Things such as Lyme's disease, which most people are familiar with, Rocky Mountain spotted fever, anaplasmosis, cytozoonosis, hepatozoonosis, tick paralysis, and that's just a few. Let's look at some examples of of ticks. I believe you need to know your enemy. Um, I'll try and get some pictures posted on our website, social media, for some photos of the different types. First up, the deer tick, also known as the black-legged tick. All of the life stages of this tick feed on different hosts, including dogs and people. The adults are reddish brown with like a dark brown or black shield-like shape between the mouth parts and the body. They carry Ehrlichia, anaplasmosis, and the Powassan virus in humans. Next up, the American dog tick. They're chestnut brown with white spots or streaks. They can be slate gray when they're big and engorged. The larvae and the nymphs tend to snack on small rodents, and the adults tend to go after dogs, cattle, others, including humans. The lone star tick is typically brown in color. The female has a single silvery whitish spot on her back, whereas the male will have like more scattered white spots. The larval and the nymph stages feed on small wild animals, birds, and rodents, and the adults tend to like large animals like dogs. The primary dog tick, uh, excuse me, the brown dog's tick primarily affects dogs, um, hence the name. <laughs> they can adapt better to indoor living, so sometimes they can live in colder climates. They hide out under rugs and other places. The adults are reddish brown. And they seem to like the ears and the toes of dogs. The Asian longhorned tick was first detected in 2017 in New Jersey and exists in at least 11 other states the last time I looked it up. They like cats, dogs, and livestock species. According to the CDC website, they seem less attracted to human skin. Yay for us. They have a smoother looking brown body, kind of like the shape of a watermelon seed. So that's the most common ones that we might see here along the East Coast. Now that you know what to look out for, um, let's talk about prevention and treatment of flea and tick problems. The real key is prevention. Sometimes pet owners will express concern about using flea and tick preventatives because they worry about the side effects of putting these items on or in their pets. And this is certainly understandable. 
However, once you've seen pets succumb to these terrible diseases like Lyme's and some of these others, you really will appreciate that the minimal risk you in using these preventatives far outweighs all the bad things that these parasites can do to you and your pets. There are so many options now. There's no perfect magic bullet, but there are lots and lots of choices, good choices. Side effects certainly are possible, but today's options are, are much safer than what we had years and years ago, like when I was a kid. There's several different classes of preventatives. There are topicals that are applied either monthly or every three months. There's oral chewable medication, which again can either be monthly or every three months. There's also collars available, but honestly, I think there's only really one collar that is particularly safe, effective, and recommended by most veterinarians I know. First and foremost, let me please say skip the shampoos and the dips. These products have no good long-acting efficacy, and you're more likely to see side effects. Most of them are dangerous if you have cats in your house as well. If you're overwhelmed by all the options, talk to your vet. Admittedly, each veterinarian might have their favorite one or two products that they like the best. So why would your vet like one product over another? Most of the time, it's personal experience. It may be that there's some crossover to treat some other problems like mites or heartworm disease. Other questions we think about are, does the product kill fleas and ticks? Does it also repel fleas and ticks? And what's your pet's lifestyle? What do they do in their day-to-day -day activities? That might change what product we recommend for your pet. Kind of the most used options for flea and tick prevention in our practice are the chewables like Nexgard and Brevecto, topicals like Revolution, Vectra, Brevecto, Advantix are also fairly common options as well. Frontline is an older one, which worked great for many years, but I think we're starting to see some resistance. Um, we're seeing households where it's not working the way it used to. Soresto is the only collar that we really recommend. Uh, and then there's some Parica, which is a newer option, which is a chewable. Um, and they also have some Parica Trio, which takes care of heartworm, flea, and tick prevention all in one, which is really nice. It's great that we have so many products to choose from nowadays, but I understand it can also be confusing for pet owners. So think about what you would prefer for your pet. Something that you give by mouth, something that you put on their skin. And then what is their risk? Are they solely house and backyard? Do they go hiking with you? Do they visit dog parks? Are they a frequent swimmer? Most flea and tick products are only approved for dogs and cats. So if you have other pets like rabbits or ferrets, talk to your vet veterinarian. There are a lot of things to think about that will help you decide which is the best product for your pets. I don't feel that there's one that's perfect for everybody. If you do find a tick on your pet and you need to remove it, here's a few tips. First, consider using gloves if you have them at home because there are some diseases that can be transmitted to people. Use your fingers with gloves or a fine-tipped tweezers. There are actually specialized little tick removal eggs, um, aids that you can get. They're like a little plastic tool um, that you can use. 
The goal is you want to grasp the tick as quick, as close to the skin as possible and kind of pull with steady, even pressure. Ticks have this magical little thing called tick cement. Um, So basically once they bite your pet, they secrete this glue, for lack of a better word, that helps keep them attached to your pet while they're feeding. So once you remove the tick, clean the area with a little bit of soap and water, wash your hands. Please skip the home remedies that have been recommended for years and years, like applying petroleum jelly before trying to remove the tick. The concern with doing this is that it may make the tick salivate more and therefore increase the risk of that tick transmitting diseases. Now, flea treatment, a little bit more complicated. This is why we promote using flea preventatives. Once you get fleas in your house, it is just a nightmare. I'm often asked the question, how could my pet get fleas, especially with indoor cats? He never goes anywhere. Even if your pet doesn't go outside, you do. And remember what we said about the ability of fleas to jump? They can easily hitch a ride into your home or your apartment, on you, your stuff. It's like that line from a certain famous dinosaur movie that goes something about life will find a way. These guys are determined, okay? If you do end up with fleas in your house, here's some important tips. One, you must treat all pets in the house with a good quality product. You need to treat the house and possibly the yard, depending on your situation. You need to use a product that kills all life stages. Otherwise, if you're just killing off the adults, the eggs will still hatch out and you're going to fight it for several more months. Vacuum everything, even the tile and the hardwood and the linoleum, not just carpeted areas. Wash your pet's bedding and human bedding frequently. Don't count on Mother Nature to help you here, okay? And what I mean by that is, A, don't think, well, winter's here, fleas won't survive. Your house is warm enough for them to keep going toasty and happy all winter long. B, natural products really are not very effective. Trust me, I use lots of natural products in my life, in my home, but when it comes to parasites, they are just really tough. Well, I think that covers the most common questions that I get asked about fleas and ticks. Thank you for listening. I hope you found this helpful. If you have kids interested in kind of fun, sciencey stuff, check out this neat link. Um, it's pestworldforkids.org. It talks about fleas and lots of other creepy crawlies. It's just really neat. That's all I've got for today. Thanks for listening, and I hope you tune in for the next edition of the Wet Nose Report. <laughs>